to Cinema Talk, the podcast of the UW Cinematheque. This is Ben Reiser. I'm a programmer here. This week, we're bringing you another free online screening of a film originally slated to play our 2020 Wisconsin Film Festival. In Sanzaru, writer-director Zai Magnus builds on the considerable accomplishments of his two short films, the 2016 Golden Badger Award-winning Round River and his 2017 follow-up Hunter, which also screened at our festival. Arriving just in time for Halloween, Sanzaru is a haunted house movie with a strong dose of the familial drama viewers of Magnus's shorts will recognize. Sanzaru takes place on a Texas ranch where two fractured families struggle to overcome dark secrets and closets full of skeletons, both figurative and literal. This is an understated and artful horror movie that manages to reference David Lynch and It's a Wonderful Life seamlessly. Beautifully acted and photographed, Sanzaru is a remarkably assured feature debut, guaranteed to intrigue and unsettle. The Cinematheque is able to offer a limited number of opportunities to view Sanzaru online at home under the covers for free. Simply send an email to info at cinema.wisc.edu and put the word Sanzaru, that's S-A-N-Z-A-R-U, in the subject line or first sentence of the email, and we'll send you the link. This week on the podcast, we welcome writer-director Zai Magnus, a young director who spent much of his youth here in Madison and has been wowing audiences at Wisconsin Film Festival and beyond since 2016. I spoke to Zai at great length about his approach to storytelling, his horror film inspirations, filming in Texas, and working with his mom. Here now is my conversation with Zai Magnus. conversation like it's because Sanzara what it was supposed to play at our 2020 film festival which right. got canceled at the last minute because of covid but i want to treat this and i've been trying to treat that we've been bringing in some other films that we were supposed to show at the festival we're now just talking to filmmakers i want to sort of treat this as if this is the post-screening q a that you would have done at right. the festival i think we were showing your film at the marquee there would have been 330 people watching Sanzaru yeah. right on campus would have been great. And I will tell people in advance that there's that, that, that this we're going to we're going to have spoilers in this conversation. Like this is a oh, conversation yeah. to have after you've watched Sanzaru. Yeah. Unless for some reason you like to know everything that's going to happen before you go to I watch mean spoilers I I'm all about spoilers. I think that they actually enhance the movie watching experience for me. Oh good. But I'm so glad I to do hear understand that, because... that some people <laughs> I do understand that some people like watch a movie specifically for the surprises, but for me I'm all about the craft and kind of I actually sometimes like to know what's going to happen because then I don't have to like stress about it. I can just focus on all the other stuff. I remember getting my first glimpse of your work. You submitted Round River for consideration yeah. for our 2016 Wisconsin Film Festival. But I watched Round River for the first time, and I I know I, I can still remember it, uh, that I had this total feeling and thought and said to myself, I'm not, I'm not going to see a better film that gets submitted this year to the Wisconsin Zone. I'm not going to see a better short. I'm sure I probably won't even see a better feature. So 
in from, from from my field of view you arrived as an artist and a filmmaker like fully formed like i thought like wow <laughs> this guy's got like he's got the the visuals down this is a wonderfully written script and he's elicited great performances out of actors who i've never seen before um and so you know i, I was like wow like <laughs> wow thank you <laughs> Uh, not, not the case, but I appreciate that. Well, and then next year, the next year you submitted another short, which was equally wonderful called Hunter. And I, actually you won a golden badger award for round river, didn't you? I did. Yeah. yeah so, it was the first award I won. Right. Guys, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wisconsin film festival has been very supportive of my work. I really appreciate that. When you think about it, do you understand how you went from round river to Hunter to deciding to make your first feature yes i do although i will say it's probably more like doing round river finishing shooting it and just knowing and then and then i felt like you know what i mean and then i like by the time we finished shooting it i was already working on hunter and by the time we finished hunter we were already in pre-production for sanzaru so the line felt a little bit more like i didn't know what i was doing with round river it felt like a, a total struggle the whole time I wasn't sure if, if we were going to succeed. I wasn't sure what I was doing, whatever. But I was just all in. And then when we were done, and when I say we, I specifically mean Alyssa Polk, um, who is a producer on all of my films and like my creative partner, creative producer, creative partner. Um, when we were done shooting Round River, we both were just like, oh, shit, we got it again right away. So, yeah, I, I, I do see a line. I mean, I think in the writing i see a lot of um things that make sense to me in terms of a progression and in terms of like a kind of a, a linear path forward hunter and sanzaru or are at the core stories about mothers and their sons and you know round river is also about family you know but particularly about sisters um and um yeah. So, yes, I guess the, the short answer to your question is yes, <laughs> I do. Well, it's interesting that you say Round River is a, a film about sisters, although, uh, or at least on surface, the protagonist of that film is not one of the two sisters that's in the film. It's the daughter. So it's another sort of mother. It's a mother daughter, mother aunt daughter triangle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think Round River and Hunter are pretty much just kind of like family dramas and they're both sort of through the eyes of the protagonist, you know, through the eyes of a, of a kid, of an adolescent of sorts, you know, a teenager, you know, so they're kind of um, coming of age dramas. Um, although Hunter has more of like a, a Western slant and Round River, I guess, maybe has more of like a, a psychological it almost a lot of people thought it was like a psychological thriller when they start when they started watching it because of the tone. It has a very dark tone and the music I use is very creepy. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, is someone going to die? Um, and spoiler alert, nobody it, nobody dies. It's pretty much just kind of a straight family drama anyway. So I think that, you know, I think I was with the shorts. I was definitely like playing with genre or in not but not confidently <laughs> like playing with it in the sense that i think i was trying to figure it out like where i lived in the genre space and then i think with sanzaro that was obviously from the very get you know like a straight up horror um but grounded in a family drama if that makes sense i mean i think i i specifically you know wanted to move into the horror space and um in and and kind of 
try a much more genre specific story. So I think I think that there is a reason that the majority, I would say, of filmmakers, particularly American filmmakers, but also from around the world, that their first films are coming of age or like Bildungsroman kind of esque um, stories. You know, I think, and often with like a teen, you know, or a kid or a young teen, you know, often with an adolescent, I think that there is a reason that that's the case. Also, a lot of first-time novelists, you know, that they that they pick um, a coming-of-age story, uh, a protagonist, that, you know, to see. Because I think I divorced myself actually pretty quickly because of my two... I, I had, There are two longer shorts, I think we should mention, for people who haven't seen them. Um, there are two longer shorts, and I think I always knew that my strengths were going to lie in longer formats and making long shorts is hard it's hard from like a you know film like kind of like the the business of film or sort of the you know film festival circuit yeah and like getting attention as a filmmaker making longer shorts is a gamble yeah Um, but i was always like i always knew that long form was going to be my play to my strengths and it was just what i was most interested in um, I wasn't necessarily interested in making a 10 minute, like kind of punchy short. Cause those tends to be just kind of like punchlines and they're good. And I mean, it's, it's a great way to like exercise your, your skills. But for me, I was, you know, I just wasn't that interested in it. Looking back on round river and Hunter, I can see hints of, of the direction that you wound up going with Sanzaro and being in the horror space, as you say, but I don't think that ever dawned on me that that was an interest of yours or that that was somewhere you were looking to go back when I saw those films. It didn't uh, dawn on you? Did not. Oh, D- did not. Okay. I, I, mm-hmm. thought, I thought those films were sort of impressively, other than sort of being coming of age, sort of family uh, dramas or, you know, not coming yeah. of age, but family dramas. Other than that, I, I thought they were impressively sort of genreless, like that you weren't, you weren't like, you know, pushing them in any particular direction other than just telling those stories. So well, I would push back on that a little bit, although, you know, I personally think it's a misconception that drama isn't a genre <laughs> because in my opinion, that is a very commonly, you know, sort of, we talk about it in those terms, even me, I'm not like criticizing you. Cause I think it's, it's, it's easier to talk about it in that way. But I think that like, you know, in film, I'll speak specifically to film just because, like, you know, I think I, I know more. But, like, you know, it is it is a genre. And it has, in my opinion, just as many tropes and cliché traps and um, things that we're used to seeing in a language. I mean, all a genre really is, right, is a series of tropes and things that we're used to seeing. I think maybe what – I mean, if you watch a bad family drama, it has just as many tropes or cliches as a bad horror movie, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, what I'm saying, so anyway, I'm just pushing no, back a little bit on that. That's right fine. There, so. And I, but I totally agree with you. I think what I'm saying is I just spent last night on another podcast talking about the Larry Cohen movie, uh, It's Alive, and it's two sequels, It mm-hmm. Lives Again and Island of the Alive. You know, and, and, and we were talking about the themes of those movies and, the, you know, that they're all about... I mean, they're about, but they're, they're also about family and about what parenthood means and what responsibilities come with becoming a parent and what becoming a parent does to your relationship with your significant other and how it changes the dynamics of that relationship. Um, But it's doing so, all that stuff is happening while firmly in the horror genre. And I think what all I'm saying about your first two shorts is that they are those family dramas and they're not hiding, those family dramas aren't hiding within another genre. 
they're they're just that genre. Yes. So yeah. so the the fact that you took some of those same themes that you've explored in the, the sort of straight ahead family dramas and mm-hmm. put them in the in the in the clothing and the skin of this horror film for Sanzaru was interesting to me and and unexpected. And but yeah. I want to ask how did that so talk to me about you and horror movies and 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 what they meant to you growing up uh and you know and and, and when you realized that this was the space that you felt comfortable in and wanted to explore in your first feature yeah well i mean i guess i would say i actually didn't i don't know uh if i knew i wanted it to be horrific um and i think you know I, when I set out to make Sanzaro, I, I wasn't planning to have the supernatural elements. Those were kind of evolved in the process of writing. Um, I think when I first started, it was much more in the space of like a, you know, European, like a Haneke movie or something like that. You know what I mean? It was much more like kind of a family drama that was about death and about the space in between life and death. And I think that as I was writing, it evolved, the supernatural element evolved, and I didn't feel comfortable in that space. I mean, like, I definitely didn't. I think because it just felt like a trap or something, and I was afraid of going down that road because I didn't want to, you know, it's, I think sometimes it's, like, used easily. Like, it's used it's used to, like, get out of some narrative difficulties because if it just can be explained away by something supernatural, um then you have some how did you convince yourself or who convinced you that it was okay to bring in that element and that it wasn't i don't know honestly i think it was just a process and i think that like a lot of it had to do with kind of like you're saying with my relationship to horror i think that like as i gained confidence i think i started to listen to myself more and i think i started to like be more honest which is like kind of ironic because like I'm talking about like adding supernatural elements, which I think a lot of people would say like is like less realistic or something. But like, I think when I started to really be like, oh, this is a horror movie, because actually when I set out to write it, it wasn't exactly a horror movie. It, it dipped its toes in that in the in that pond, but it didn't like go full out horror like the final product, I would say it has. And I think as I got more honest with myself about the kind of films that I love um, and what they mean to me. And like partially just because of like the kind of schooling I've had and just like kind of people I'm around and stuff like that, you know, I kind of come from like a fine art world. And I think that there's like a lot of, a lot of pushback about taste. And, um, and I think we're having a real renaissance right now of horror films. So that also helped me. I think I also saw, I think I saw some things that definitely inspired me, you know, like things like, um, things like Babadook and I mean even Hereditary to some degree and you know these these films that like did you know even though I was kind of like already in the process of this film when I saw those I think it helped me realize like oh I, you, you know you can use the horror genre to to do something that is meaningful or about yeah. something it's just about something you know and then and growing up like you know to kind of go back to your main question about what horror has meant to me um i was obsessed with horror particularly like when i first was discovering i think i might actually my my 
entree point in was Hitchcock. I was like really in Hitchcock when I was like a kid. I loved those movies when I was young. And then like as a more, you know, when I was like 10, 11, 12, when I could actually start going to the video store myself and picking things out, I got, you know, I let, I, I went down the horror track and I, you know, and I let it get really dirty. And, um, and I just like that, that, I mean, those were hugely informative just to my being as a kid, you know, particularly from, yeah. Give me some of your touchstones. Give me some. Give me your. Give me your top five. I mean, they're so movies. boring. Okay, well, I don't do lists, but they're. I don't know. I just like really just like what you. What. Um, I love that what, you have rules for yourself at this young age. I don't do lists. I don't correct people when they say my name wrong. And Wait, what was the first horror movie? Like Rosemary. When the first time I saw Rosemary's Baby, you know, it bowled me over. I mean, I loved to like, and but I just to be. I mean, I loved. I mean, John Car. All the John Carpenter stuff. Loved it. The thing. Um, even but even like Wes Craven. I mean, I loved Scream. I mean, those are also some of my really early. You know, I loved Scream. I watched that on repeat. And even like, you know, shittier ones like I know what you did last summer and stuff like kind of slasher stuff. Loved Halloween. Things that are like really gratuitously violent. Actually, I'm still kind of not into. I like things that are weird. I like things that are offbeat. And I like things that are kind of like maybe cinematic and where the violence is a little bit more like operatic. It was never the violence. It was the it was the scares, it was suspense, and I mean, I think that that's like kind of where Hitchcock, you know, and kind of the older things. Like, I mean, Psycho was like for a long time, like one of my favorite all time favorite movies. Okay, so this is the third or fourth time I watched the film, and it, yeah, this was the first time that I thought afterwards. Okay, I think I can actually try to summarize the plot here. Do you do you <laughs> yeah. mind if I read my summary of this plot, sure. and then you tell me, no, 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 that didn't happen. That's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Or okay. Uh, Evelyn and her nephew Amos, they're living with Dina, the matriarch on a Texas, it's an estate, I would say, sure. but not in a typical, that is one, that's a fun, as you play with sort of genre conventions and tropes, it's kind of fun that it's like a, in some ways it's one of these old dark house movies, but the old dark house is like a ranch and, you know, although it's got wonderful details and I want to ask you about the location and all that stuff, but I'm fascinated with those built in intercoms and those walls. Um, and, and, and how, you know, if that was something you wrote and then found or found and then said, Oh, this will be a great way to have the spirits communicate or whatever. Um, okay. So they're living on a text on a, on a ranch, uh, 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 Evelyn is, is, is Dina's caretaker. Um, and she's, and Evelyn has brought her nephew, at least that's what we think for a while, uh, to stay with her because he's, uh, I'm, I'm going off of what I wrote now, but, uh, he's, in, <laughs> he's, he's in some trouble at school. Uh, he's, uh, he's been learning how to box and apparently broke a kid's nose. But because I said also living on the ranch in a trailer home is Clem Jr., Justin Arnold, who I want to say, again, only in this third viewing did I realize, God, this guy's giving such a great performance. I am dying to see him and other stuff like he's so good in probably what might be the trickiest uh, part in the whole film, because you don't know how to feel about him. I would say you never know how to feel about him. And, it, yeah. you know, this was the first time that I really was like, well, no, he's kind of like, he's the protagonist. He's he's driving a lot of the events in the film. I mean, it's, it's it, you know, he, it turns out he's the one who has hidden the chivalry and the key to the mm-hmm. post office box. And, you know, he's the one who makes a, a, That's a, true. a life-altering decision in a real way uh, yeah. at the end of this yeah. film. 
That's um, all is not what it seems. I wrote everyone has their <laughs> secrets. As it turns out, Evelyn is really Amos's mom, but she has had given, I don't know about legal, but custody to her. Is it her older sister or does that not yeah, matter? Her older sister. Her older yeah. sister mm-hmm. uh, when Amos was born. Evelyn's mom has died fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as it turns out, and this is the part where I'm still three viewings in trying to like really figure <laughs> out if I understand this part of it, uh, her spirit has been sent to the ranch to warn Evelyn and Amos that they're in, da- in danger. How do you like that? Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, I think so far is that part uh, is that is that sort of how I can describe Evelyn's mother's spirit? Is that what she's doing? I don't know if we never know or if that matters how she got there, but yeah, well, her sure, spirit because, is there. Yeah. Right. Her spirit is there and she is yeah. trying to communicate with Evelyn and Amos at times in the film, but yes, as is the case all over this film, there are communication barriers, there are cultural differences, and there are all kinds of things that are getting in the way of people communicating with, with each other. There's, there's lots of misunderstandings, maybe misheard things. A lot of things that people say in this movie could have at least two different meanings, and depending on when, when you're watching it and what you're focusing on, you go down a whole other path. Oh no, Dina was really talking about this when she said brothers she's not really talking about amos maybe she's talking about clem jr maybe she knows clem jr is the one who took the chivalry and she's never you know yeah. there's that kind of stuff but so uh the danger the the spirit grandma or mom depending on who you're <laughs> pointing her towards uh is trying to warn them about is that the, that the that another spirit and this is the spirit of dina's husband and clem's father is on the scene and this Clem Sr., right? That's his name. Clem. He was yeah. the original Clem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another miscommunication. Yeah. yeah. Right. Who also apparently goes by the pen name of Mr. Sanzaru. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in life had been an abusive pedophile and sort of yeah. running running a child pornography ring. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Clem Jr. and Evelyn have an affair. Clem Jr. dreams of moving somewhere else and supporting Evelyn and Amos, perhaps. So I can see all that stuff and you remove the spirits. Were all those elements in place before you added the supernatural? There were always potential supernatural elements. I think that the in the writing process, people were saying like the antagonist spirit specifically, you know, needs to have, we need to see him. And I really resisted that. I really did not want to see him. Ever because I just feel like that is always the point at a horror movie when I'm when you've lost me is when you actually see the manifestation of the spirits you know and I think it's one thing that like Shining does really well um, and I wouldn't even say it does perfectly because like I've always hated that ballroom scene because I just like particularly when the skeletons and the cobwebs I'm that you like right there and then of course you know the whole Indian burial ground thing. For the shining but anyway even like uh, masterpieces of of horror this when the supernatural element is finally revealed i always feel just a little bit let down because like my imagination is always more interesting and i also i like a little bit of having to piece things together i mean i like films that feel layered and that have lots of answers so i think that, that, that some of the earlier drafts evelyn was never really confronted with the antagonist spirit which i think you know narratively is problematic 
for a lot of reasons. And I think, you know, left a lot of people um, feeling unsatisfied. So I guess that that's what I would say is like the biggest difference when it comes to that was like that the specific point when I started, when I felt really insecure about the, the supernatural thing. So I think a lot of the earlier ones were much more, it was much more psychological. You never were quite confronted. I mean, I think that there's still an argument to be made for like, I mean, if the whole movie is kind of dreamlike, you know? So I think there's an argument for me to be made for like, maybe this is all kind of happening in people's. It's a, sure. it's a, it's a subjective film in general. Right. When I finally did decide, you know, like come around and be like, okay, I'm going to try this. Um, that's when I really formed the mother spirit character because I didn't just want to have a bad ghost. I wanted to, if we're going to have a bad ghost and that, that was haunting people, I wanted a good ghost that was haunting people. I wanted some, I wanted them to have characters and I mm -hmm. wanted them to like interact with each other. I mean, things like the bird and stuff were always there, but like, you know, the, but that final visualization of the kind of Clem senior ghost, um, he was definitely enhanced and wasn't like, we didn't quite shoot it like that. I mean, he was always going to be there, but it wasn't quite like that. Yeah. Like you're saying, I mean, communication barriers, I think is a huge sort of theme that goes back to my first films is kind of all, which is often what family dramas are about early. So that's what I, the most interesting part of family dramas to me are just like the breakdown of communication between, between people. Um, so, and, and I wanted that, you know, it's like, I like films that that's reflected in the format too, or the style of the filmmaking. So like, I think, you know, um, yeah, obscuring information and ambiguity is really, um, I don't know. I think that's just, you know, part of who I am as a, as a filmmaker. Well, yeah. Those are things that I'm always, that are always on my mind. Well, here's, here's the question that I wrote that I was about to read to you. Uh, but I think you've already sort of answered this, but maybe we can get a little more out of you. I, I wrote, your films generally don't deal with exposition, at least in a traditional sense. And Senzaro is in many ways the most complicated and opaque of your films, and yet also comes closest at times to some traditional exposition. And it seems mm. important to you to not make it too easy for viewers to acclimate themselves to the story that you're telling. Um, and where does that come from? Is that a reaction, uh, a positive or a negative reaction to films or, or, or books or any other art forms that you experienced growing up? I mean, both, I think it's a positive and negative reaction. I mean, I think it's a positive reaction to things, you know, films that I've liked and, and, uh, or that I do like, you know, that are influences on me and a negative reaction to things I don't like. I would prefer it if the audience has to work a little bit to get, to, I also like it when the audience has different, you know, readings of things like than I even do. And and that's part of the reason why I put double meanings um, in even the dialogue, like you're saying, you know, I think that that there's more to find, you know, there isn't one necessarily one reading of things. Um, and I think I mean, I think I'm getting better at it, too, at, at making that stronger i mean i think that's like a really hard thing to pull off and like i don't think i always do necessarily pull it off um successfully but like you know i think that yeah i think i'm searching for that and i think ambiguity is like a key word I, for, for me you know i think like that's it's it's important to me that there but just because i think that's just the way i see the world and like i don't think that there's any one 
reading of things. You know, there's so many different perspectives and everyone's seeing things a little bit differently. So right. I want that to be reflected in. Well, in well, and I think, it to- well. I think it totally is, especially in, in Sanzaru where, where the actual, the actual form yeah. of the film uh, is is communicating that whole idea about the you know communication barriers where some of the dialogue is hard to hear some of it is distorted yeah. coming through those intercom radios and and so there's all kinds of stuff that you you know as a, a even as a multiple viewer and listener you're not really picking up everything and you're really having to sort of fight to hear things and then but did you find yourself pushing back against people who after seeing a cut of the film asked you to clarify some things or did you say, okay, I get it? I yeah, do. I mean, that's been a process. I mean, that's something I I've, I think it's not, like I said, it's not an easy thing to pull off. It's also not something that is, like, universally accepted by people to pull off of ambiguity in that sense, particularly in narrative film. Like, people just, like, don't, they want to know what it means or, like, they want to know what happened. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, what did happen? <laughs> I don't know. Like when you went to the store, like what happened? There's like you could tell that story a million different ways. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was always supposed to be a haunted house movie, even when the spirits were more subjective and never really you were never really able to pinpoint the haunting, what the haunting actually was coming from. But it was mm-hmm. always a haunted house movie. And I, I think that was like the grounding for me. I think that you're actually really great at that, where that your films are satisfying and sort of mesmerizing the first time you see them and then on subsequent viewings there's always other layers that that of realization that happen as a viewer it's almost impossible i think to get the full all the connections in your film the the films the first time you watch them which i think is a great um sort of uh thing to be able to pull off where your films are satisfying and yet are always available for even deeper reads i hope so I mean, that's definitely what I'm trying for. I, I don't know a lot of your background. I know that your mom is here in Madison and that you, have, I think, spent time growing up here or attended some school here. Mm-hmm. I spent my time between Madison and Chicago and as she, a child. And yeah. Chicago. But then I also know that you spend time in New York and that you're also, I guess, living in L.A. So what is it? What is it? What is your connection yeah. with Texas, though, where you've now shot two films, right? In terms of Texas... That came about through my partnership with Alyssa Polk, who we met in college in New York. And, you know, we live in L.A. together. And she just kind of was like my creative partner from the beginning. And um, we've, you know, made all these films together. And she has roots in Texas. Ah. Like her fam- she has family there. And, she, and, and her family has that ranch that we shot Hunter on. So we ended up in Texas shooting Hunter. Um, I had actually written it to take place more like where we shot Round River, like in the woods up in in northern wisconsin is where i'd set hunter and then we were like oh and then she was like but i have this place in texas we can shoot it and i was like well let's do that because we're always looking for like you know how to just do do things without asking permission um so we went down there and shot that and then that's how we kind of got texas has a very strong filmmaking community um and they have a lot of film festivals and it's a big state a lot of people and they love film but they love texas film um so we played a lot of festivals in Texas with Hunter just because it would, took place there. And we met a lot of people. And, one, and a producer approached us and was like, do you want to make this into a feature? And we were like, no, but we have this script. And that was Sanzaru. And so we kind of were incentivized to come down there because like our, our producer, Anthony Fedoni, um, is kind of, he runs a festival in southern Texas, in, in Victoria, 
um, which is kind of like in coastal, the coastal plains area of Texas, um, Gulf Coast. And he, you know, he's trying to bring people down there to shoot and stuff. So, so we actually, that's how we ended up down there shooting Sanzaro. The, the location for Sanzaro, that house, that ranch, how did you find that? Well, it's actually two locations. So it's the interior and the exterior are separate. We're not the same location. So we shot all the interiors in this house, this crazy house we found in Victoria, Texas. So like kind of in town, which is sort of closer to where everyone was staying. Um, that we found that just like through, I don't know, Alyssa found it. I think through like Facebook, we were able to li- I lived in that house actually um the whole time for like two months like during pre-production and all through production i lived in that house uh with the cinematographer and we just like get up every morning and plan our shots so at night when the you know the battery was going out on the smoke detector and it was chirping like i was laying there in bed like listening to the smoke detector chirping you know and then that makes it into the movie the fan that's in the ceiling which is a very texas thing to have this like this like ventilation system that sucks all the air up um, the bird that the bird sucked into like, you know, that's all like all those things were kind of in there in some way, but we really tried to respond to the location as yeah. much as possible once we got there and, and knew what we were working with. Do you, um, do you consider what you want an audience's reaction to be to your film or films? And, and if so, what is, what are you hoping audiences will feel? On, at the end of Sanzaru? I think that that's something I've learned. I don't think I knew how to do that, like anticipate an audience's reaction. I think that I had to make these films to get there. I think I'm so much closer as, after Sanzaru too. I think working in the genre space really helped with that because you can kind of like start to see, you can actually, it's a more artificial kind of, you know, like trying to understand like, are that people gonna be scared or whatever? Um, so I think that that's a skill that I'm learning still. And I think that like in these projects that I'm working on now, like I'm much more aware of that, like so much more and thinking about that constantly. Whereas before I think I was more thinking about myself, like how I was reacting to something, which I think is, you know, probably not the right approach. What do you think the effect of Sanzaro ideally would be? Like, do you just want people to walk out shaken? Should they be depressed? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not to scare people, which I think is maybe counterintuitive to like what people think horror is supposed to do. But like my favorite horror movies don't really scare me. I mean, there's certain moments that definitely frighten me. Um, to me, it's about tapping into, yeah, inner feelings. And I think, you know, like sort of, that's a good question. I mean, I definitely, maybe I can answer it better, like in the sense that I think I, you know, there's a couple moments that I feel like I succeed in mm-hmm. Sanzaru and they're in moments that I think are where I feel like a richness of human experience. <laughs> That's like super vague, but like, you know, it's not necessarily about emotion or about, yeah, it's just more about like, like possibility or something like that, you know? And I think that like the reason I end the film the way I do with, with basically like Evelyn is able, Evelyn and her side of the family are able to like be released because they kind of like confronted their traumatic pasts and apologized to each other, you know, for like in simple, in simple terms, Mm -hmm. in the most simple way of putting it. And they're able to like get out, they get out of the house 
and the the mother is able to kind of you know she says she's she says they say she can go now you know like her work is done so she can kind of like go to the next plane whatever that looks like she's no longer trapped um in the liminal space um and then but like the regan family you know like the white family the the employers um none of them are really able to break out of it you know like and that's how that's why clem ends up in the bed with his mom and with you know the sort of spirit of his dad um and why he you know, takes the blood thinners and kills himself it's like you know they're just i mean and whether he dies or not maybe is you know you don't actually see him die um and evelyn does say she's going to send somebody so like to me it was just more about like you know evelyn has to finally choose her family over another family mm-hmm. and that like she just can't solve their problems and she has to go so I guess to me, yeah, it's more uh, the, the it's just more feelings, you know, like trying to like capture a feeling. Uh, it may, and also on a much more practical level, I started thinking about a conversation that we had after the Wisconsin Film Festival screening of Hunter, because there's a jump scare in Hunter, and I remember yes. talking to you about it, and ha- and and I was. I was even I, I, you know, I'd seen the film by myself a few times, but seeing it with an audience and hearing how many people gasped at the jump scare, I was yeah. asking you if that was very satisfying to realize how well <laughs> that that worked in, in that film. And uh, I think that's got to be fun as well. A I will say that that is one of the great, you know, disappointments of this year has just been like I, you know, haven't gotten to see this film in a theater with people yeah. more than. I saw it twice in Park City, but, um, you know, in the premiere, but other than that, nothing, you know, with other people. And I, you know, even at the drive-in the other day, it was so great because people actually did respond actually loud enough for me to hear, which was great. It was a great feeling because I was like, oh, damn, like, that's what I'm missing. But, you know, we're all, we've all made sacrifices this year and well, that's low on the list. <laughs> well, I mean, that does bring me to my, ne- my next question, which is, uh, as a sort of seasoned vet of the film festival circuit, how has this, how has COVID, you know, changed the life of Sanzaru from what you were expecting to happen? Well, I mean, there was definitely an initial period of mourning, you know, it was like a wrench was thrown into everything in March in the spring and all our spring festivals were canceled, you know, including, Wisconsin Film Festival, um, you know, we had a lineup that was looking pretty good for the spring and they just all got canceled. So that was like rough and felt like we just didn't know what was going to happen. But it was overshadowed by all the other things that were going on in the world. And I think that like, you know, after an initial period of mourning, we were able to regroup and just kind of reimagine what it was going to look like. And then, you know, we started to build up you know, as the films, as the, as the festivals migrated online, we were able to build up like a really strong lineup. So we've, we've, you know, started to play at more and more festivals. And then we did Fantasia, which is our international premiere, which was like a really great genre festival and just really mm-hmm. opened up the world for us. And really, we got to a lot of great response out of that. And that just felt, you know, even though it was all happening online, it, it felt really, um, it felt like an event and it felt like something that was really happening, which I think, you know, is the thing that we're struggling against now. Most of us is that it's just sort of like, how do you celebrate in this time? How do you, you know, it's like when you can't be together. So that felt, that felt really good. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it really sucks because it was, you know, I made this film as a festival film in the sense that it's like it's for audiences in the theater and most films this size, you know, the only time people are going to see them in a theater is at a festival. So when that was taken away, you know, it was rough. But again, you know, a lot of good has come of it and a lot of people have seen it. I've had a lot of great conversations and just keeping in perspective. I mean, my film not, you know, getting... Uh, as strong of a in-person festival run really at the end of the day is not um, the biggest thing to contend with right now. So I've been able to get past it pretty quick, but it was sad at first. I mean, it was, you know, it was disappointing. We worked for like three years on this film, you know, so it was hard to see it feel like it was kind of just going to get lost in the ether, but then it kind of bounced back after the spring and it didn't feel like it got lost anymore. So then that was kind of, felt better yeah sure. we're well we're excited to finally be able to share it with our audience here and yeah i'm so happy i'm so happy that, that the hometown audience will get to see it so your mom has 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 a, a pretty serious credit in senzaru uh makeup oh, yeah. and makeup yeah. and, and effects um talk about what she yeah. brings brings to the table in that area i mean there's some good there's some impressive blood yeah. and some wounds and things like that. So that's all your mom, huh? Yeah, all of it. I mean, we started working on that blood very early on. That was one of the first things. I was like, the blood has to be right. Um, and so she did a million tests. And But, yeah, she went to school. You know, she went to um, cinema makeup school. And um, she did some extra coursework specifically for this film to kind of brush up because um, it was going to require – you know, some pretty heavy prosthetics and, um, yeah, I mean, working with her was so great and she's so creative and always problem solving and coming up with great ideas. So working on a budget, um, yeah, it was, it was really fun working together and, uh, yeah, just a really, really special experience. And she's been on set for most of the films, um, doing different things, but this was the first time that she really like was creatively involved in a serious way. And, um, it's just, it's always, you know, it's always special to be able to have a, a new relationship with somebody that you kind of like maybe have known for a really long time. I mean, in this case, a parent, but like, you know, kind of you can, you can extend it out to sort of anyone, but like somebody that you've known for a really long time and then you kind of get to work with them in a new way, you know, in a professional yeah. way or yeah. whatever it is. And it, it just, uh, I don't know, it just reinforces how important they are in your life or whatever, you know, or like just it takes on a new shape and it's really, it's really fun. So it was really great and it was really great to have her there, you know, talking about um, blood and shit and tears and just like all the like grossest bodily functions you can imagine and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she was definitely like our, our den mother and, on set and, and really like kept everything kept everything uh great and comfortable for everybody well i've kept you here far too long but i got one more two-part question for you here yeah <laughs> okay tell me what you've been doing during the lockdown other than trying to you know get Sanzara out there i'm so if if it's anything like you told me the process has been up until now you've already got the next thing going so do you have the next thing going Yes. Yeah. I actually have a couple things going, which is really exciting. I mean, it's been very 
productive time for me, the lockdown. And I don't say that to brag. <laughs> I, just, I know it's like everyone's having their own experience and I respect it all. Uh, and it has been a lot of ups and downs, no doubt about it. But um, yeah, I've been able to be pretty productive writing wise, which is exciting. And um, Alyssa and I are actually collaborating on an adaptation of a short story, which will um, be, I can't announce, I can't talk about the details yet, but it is very soon to be announced and being developed by a studio. So that's really exciting. Um, and, you know, more news on that soon. Um, and then, yeah, and then I have a couple other scripts that are kind of out there in the world and picking, gaining some momentum and stuff. So, you know, we can't shoot anything now, obviously. In 2022, I'll have another film, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to bring you back to Madison proper and have yeah, a real yeah, in-person sure. screening. Yeah, I'm really excited for some of these projects. I mean, I feel like I haven't been on set for so long now because we shot Sanzaro in 2017. Yeah. Which is crazy at the end of 2017, but still, like, it's hard. It's hard not to be on set for that long because I feel like that's like when I'm at my most creative, and that's like what I do it for is kind of that experience. That so, um, yeah, looking forward to the future when those things are possible again. Well, Zai, it's always great to talk to you, and it's always great to see your work. Thank you so much for sharing Sanzara with us this week. Thank and, you uh, for everything. All your support over the years. It's been an absolute pleasure, and let's do it again in 2022. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>